the top three foods that you need to optimize your gut microbiome. How important movement is to rid ourselves of disease. How to optimize our body's electrical grid. How long moms should be breastfeeding for. How to raise healthy children who have a really good relationship with food and so much more coming right up. This is episode number 502 with naturopathic doctor, author of Building a Healthy Child, TEDx speaker, and one of the top biological medicine practitioners in North America, Dr. Melina Roberts. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Best You Podcast with me, your host, Nick Carrier. At Best You, we exist to help individuals who are hungry for growth get closer to the best version of themselves so that they can live meaningful and impactful lives. Are you somebody who really wants to improve your health, but you're overwhelmed with the chaos that is going on in your life? Are you somebody who really knows they want to feel better in their own skin and you want to be more confident when you look at yourself in the mirror? If so, you need to go get access to my new video course called The Three Steps to Losing Body Fat and Building Muscle. You'll get a grocery list, a week's worth of workouts, and a list of healthy snacks and sweets to choose from. You can get all of that for absolutely free today by going to nickcarrier.com. Today, I am really excited to introduce y'all to Dr. Melina Roberts. Dr. Roberts is one of the top biological medicine practitioners in North America, and today you're going to hear all about removing toxicity from the body. You're going to hear about the top three foods that she believes optimizes our gut microbiome. And my favorite part, you're going to learn how to teach your kids to eat healthy in a way that ensures that they still maintain a great relationship with food. So without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Dr. Melina Roberts. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Best You Podcast today. I am super excited to be joined by the one and only Dr. Melina Roberts. Uh, Dr. Roberts, just want to start off by saying thanks so much for spending the time with me today. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm always honored to <laughs> to be here. Yeah, no doubt. Well, uh, I'm really excited to get into a lot of different topics today, but so many people who are listening to this podcast are very health and fitness focused. And then we also have a lot of parents who listen to this podcast who are trying to figure out how to model appropriate healthy behavior for their kids and also raise their kids to be to be healthy children and then obviously healthy adults as well. So I'm really excited to get into kind of like you and your practice and some of the important lessons that we need to learn from monitoring our own and optimizing our own health, but also from uh, a children's point of view, because I absolutely love uh, building a healthy child. I have not finished it yet, but I've loved what I've read so far. And it's a topic. I'm not a I'm not a father or a parent yet but it's funny like this topic interests me so much because I'm very into fitness and very into nutrition and I'm I know it's such a crazy world out there with fitness and nutrition right now and also your mindset towards it and so I'm always fascinated to learn the best way to preach and teach and model appropriate healthy behavior for children so I'm really excited to get into that but to kind of like quickly gloss over your story a little bit. Basically, when you were young, you grew up with bad allergies and eczema, and then you went to a doctor, and all you had to do was kind of make some tweaks to your nutrition, and that stuff kind of went away. And then when you were older, your dad got diagnosed uh, with cancer, and then you went to study kinesiology at the University of Waterloo. And essentially, you ended up realizing that 
there were there was a lot of evidence, a lot of research, a lot of science around natural ways to cure cancer that are outside of the conventional healthcare system and and you really got fascinated by it and then you started to work with patients. When did you really feel like you had something? When did you really feel like you're like, okay, I know how I can really start to treat people so that they can start to cure themselves? Um, well, like after I finished at the naturopathic college, I joined a clinic and this clinic was known to be successful at treating cancer. And Mm. what I didn't realize when I joined, I just knew that they were having success treating cancer. But what I didn't realize was that they were using a different approach, this European biological medicine approach. And so then I was like, okay, well, I need to learn and figure out what they're doing. So I went and did um, a two-year training with a uh, doctor, Thomas Rao at the Paracelsus Clinic in Switzerland. And, um, and from there, I learned so much about biological medicine, just realizing that the body has this amazing capacity to be able to heal itself. We just have to set up the right environment to, for it to do so. So I would say it was through that training that really um, taught me um, the the foundation that that the body has that ability to be able to heal. And when I saw I saw um, the clinic I was working at, I saw them having success with treating patients and um, patients getting better from really serious chronic diseases, including cancers. And then I saw um, saw that happening at the Paracelsus clinic. And then, and then I just modeled what they were doing in their practice, in my practice. And then I got started seeing results like that too. So, so I'd say that, um, luckily it was, it was early in my practice that, um, but I was super keen. I was like going to conferences. I was, um, trying to take in as much information as I could. Um, and, and I would say it was at that point that, um, really learning, diving into the biological medicine aspect is when I, and seeing, and then starting to see the results is, is when I realized, okay, this is something different. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know that I'm sure as when you start treating patients and everything like that and start seeing them and you, they start seeing results, it's like, oh my gosh, like I've got something here and you're like, just want so badly to be able to treat as many people as, as possible. So you talked about how the, this, our body has this amazing ability to heal itself as long as we essentially set our body up for success, as long as the inner terrain, as a word you use a lot, is 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 set up for success and, and is healthy. And I know that you often talk about the importance of a healthy digestive tract. From a high-level standpoint, what other things are really important other than just like a healthy digestive tract in order to make sure our inner terrain and everything like that is set up for success? Um, yeah, so I think that, um, so diet is huge. We need to make sure that we're cleaning up the diet. We need to make sure that we are reducing the amount of toxic loads that we're taking into the body. And that can also be through the foods that we're eating. Um, but based on that toxic load, we also have to make sure that our organs of detoxification, so the organs that move toxins out of our system, like our liver, our kidneys, our lymphatic system, our lungs, our skin, that they're working really well, because that's a an, an really important aspect in terms of 
removing toxic loads from our system to make sure that our terrain is as clean as possible. So we want to make sure that um, detox organs are working well. Um, and then I always talk about like, really, we got to just go back to basics, right? So it's um, eating well, it's sleeping well. So our sleep is so important because especially knowing um, the impact that sleep has sleep, I call it like recharging our battery. So our bodies are electrical systems, we have to be recharging the battery. And then just learning about that during our deep sleep is when our our body is doing the cleansing of our brain um, and our whole nervous system. So we got to make sure that we're getting good, high quality sleep. Um, Great. I'd say I'd say water intake, hydration is huge, um, um, especially something called uh, that we're being introduced to called structured water. Making sure that the the water we're taking in is um, is healing to our body and and that we are staying well hydrated because we are made of mostly water we want to make sure that we're taking care of that and and that's what that that water is like that um water is actually part of our cells it's it's the it's what's inside of our cells but it's also the area around our cells and that water needs to be clean and vital and um, strong in order to make sure that that terrain is healthy. Mm. Um, and part of that, it, part of keeping that terrain healthy is, you know, contact with the earth. So um, we can do that in different ways um, to get. When you say contact with the earth, do you mean just like being out in nature and things like that or? For sure. Yep. So it's. Okay breathing in fresh air, it's touching the ground. It's yeah, it's everything we can to be in contact with with the earth um, is going to actually help to, to keep our electricity, the, the we're going to get the electricity in our system working better. And um, yeah, I, I think that we don't realize how healing uh, nature is for us. Um, mm. So we need to be spending some time in nature and we get a lot of those negative ions um, that help to get the electricity in our body strong. What do you, what do you mean by the electricity in our body? I'm, I'm not familiar with, with this. Yeah. So our, our bodies are electrical systems and, and the, everything that works within our body is electrical. We are, we, and I think that we know that, um, we know that based on like the nervous system, we think of the nervous system as that electrical system, but even how the electrons move um, within our cell structures, that's all electrical too. So, um, and th so the electricity. And, and, and so why does being out, what are the different things that being out in nature, how does that ensure that our electrical functions are being optimized? Yeah. So, um, like one of the things that, um, you know, it, it sounds, it sounds crazy, but it's, there's now research that shows that, um, something called grounding can be super, uh, effective in terms of, um, us being, uh, having bare feet and in contact with the earth, we get the electrical, uh, the negative ions that actually, 
come from the earth into our bodies and help to supply our bodies with those negative ions. And that helps to supply our body with another electrical charge. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that's one major way we can get it, but, you know, like because of technology, we can get it through um, grounding mats or um, there's other things that like one thing I have in my clinic is called PEMF. So it's pulsed electromagnetic fields. And so I have that, which is, um, which is a way to really charge ourselves because what happens over time is that our bodies actually lose their charge. And uh, one of the ways that we can get that charge is by that grounding and that contact with the earth. There's definitely other ways that we can get it, but um, that's, that's one major way that we want when you say our bodies lose our charge, what what exactly does that mean? Yeah, so um, well, I would say that uh, one of the one of the like research papers that you look at is that you, you can actually look at the actual um, across a cell uh, the the membrane potential across a cell. So usually that membrane potential across a cell is about. Um, like in a healthy cell is between 70 and 100 millivolts um, over time in, or in a in a system that doesn't is is sicker. So say um, someone has chronic disease or cancer, that electrical potential over that cell membrane usually is around um, 30, like 20 to 30 millivolts. So what something like a PMF machine would do would help to recharge those cells and get them to that, that 70 to 80 millivolts. And so, and so when it's, when a cell gets higher charge is just functioning more optimally. Exactly. It functions like a healthy cell. Mm. Whereas when that charge is low, um, that cell, that cell membrane actually isn't able to properly function, which means that it can't take nutrients in, take oxygen in, get rid of toxins, get rid of CO2. That whole membrane potential isn't able to function in a healthy fashion. Mm, Okay. Gotcha. Interesting. Um, You know, I, I knew that our body had, our bodies have charges like negative and positive, but like I'd never really necessarily thought of it like an electrical system. So that's a really good way to think about it. Um, I want to go back to the toxic load, toxic loads, and making sure that things like our liver, things like our kidneys, things like things like the lymphatic system are working optimally, so that we can extract the toxic, the toxicity that is in our bodies. What are some of the different things that we need to do to ensure that our liver, kidneys, and lymphatic system are optimally healthy? I mean, I'm sure it's nutrition. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's all the things we you've talked about: nutrition, water, sleep, exercise, getting in touch with the earth. But like, what are some of the biggest levers that if somebody's like, I, I know my liver, I know my kidney's not functioning optimally right now. I need to make sure that I improve that. What are like some quick things that you can think about starting to implement as habits? Yeah, so I, I would say um, like 
and it's a lot of the stuff that you promote as well is, is make sure that we're moving our bodies, right? Like our bodies are designed to move. They're not meant to be sedentary and sitting at our desk all day or even just driving everywhere. We need to make sure that we're moving our bodies because um, especially if you think of the lymphatic system, and I think that the lymphatic system tends to be this forgotten part of the body where the lymphatic system is what cleans up our tissues and then moves toxic loads out. And in terms of that lymphatic system, if that um, that lymphatic system, it's it's a bit different than the circulatory system where where things kind of like will move, um, move through with the, the pumping of the heart. And, um, and then we have valves that help to push that blood through our system. Um, the lymphatic system, what it moves through is by um, mostly just by the movement of our muscles. So we have to make sure that we are moving our bodies as much as possible in order to get that lymphatic system moving. And, um, you know, some of the, some of the ways that the lymphatic system moves is like, like things like rebounding, but if you can't get a rebounder, so those are mini trampolines are great ways to move that lymphatic system. Um, mm. but even just, even just jumping will help to get that lymphatic system moving. Um, and if you can't jump, then let's just walk anything you can do just to get the muscles moving, to get the lymphatic system moving. And when the lymphatic system's moving well, it helps to clean up all the tissues of the body and move toxic loads out. Um, and I would say that, uh, like the other part of it is that if you think of, um, how the lymphatic system drains, um, so the lymphatic system is a closed system. So I think of it like a funnel. So you have your superficial lymphatic system, which drains the head, the neck, the skin. Um, and then your the superficial lymphatic system drains into the deep lymphatic system. It all filters through the liver and empties out the colon. So one of the aspects in terms of getting that whole lymphatic system to properly drain is that we have to make sure that our bowels are moving on a regular mm. basis. So part of getting our bowels moving is making sure we're not eating those inflammatory foods, those toxic loads, and that um, something called our microbiome. So that's the the ecosystem of uh, bacteria and fungus that live within our digestive tract, that they need to be in better balance. And the better balance they're in, the better our bowels will move. And that, so the, the, that'll help to drain the lymphatic system. That will help to get the liver. Um, the liver is going to dump into, dump its toxic load into the bowels. And then we have to make sure that those bowels are moving on a consistent basis to make sure our body can effectively move that toxic load out of our system. So making mm. sure our bowels are moving well, and then um, the fluids of our body are moved out through our urine. And so um, that's the water intake, making sure our kidneys are working well to, in order to move out um, the water soluble toxins are out through our, through our urine and the mm. fat soluble toxins are moving mostly out through our stools. Wow. That's awesome. That was, that was uh really well explained. I feel like I, I definitely have a little bit more better grasp of it now. So now I'm actually, I'm pretty interested. So you talked about the lymphatic system being the thing that really is a large driver in, re in removing toxicity from our body. And it is often the level of 
functionality of our lymphatic system is largely dependent on the movement that we have from our body. If we're moving actively pretty often, then it's going to be working a lot better than if we're not moving. And one of the, just like very curious as to, I feel like a lot of older people, when they go into a hospital, for example, they might go into the hospital and they're, they were they were sick enough to go into the hospital, but before that, they weren't necessarily all that sick. And then all of a sudden, they just they lay in the hospital bed, and then they get more sick, and then they get more sick, and then they get more sick. I'm sure there's a lot of different reasons as to why that is, but is there a large reason because they're simply just not moving anymore, and so their lymphatic system isn't removing toxicity like it used to be? I think that's a huge part of it. Yeah. Cause you know, like one thing that we know they're not moving because a lot of people are getting bed sores when mm. they're in the hospital and they're also told not to move because they have, they're hooked up to machines and they're hooked up to IVs. And so it makes it really awkward and tough to even get out of that bed and move. Um, I would say that that would be a contributing factor. I think right. that another, another one is that, um, um, the food in hospitals is is not one that helps to nourish people to help them to get better. Right. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in the hospital, but the the food is just horrible and it's yeah. not helping to create health. Um, I think it's probably that's that's going to make people's health deteriorate in a yeah. place that we're expecting people to be getting better in is it's just um, it's just a sad scene to see. It really is pretty embarrassing to 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 realize that, and it's pretty atrocious to be able to see the foods that people are fed when they're in there. Because, like you said, they're in there to get better, and they're not being provided with an optimal environment for that to be able to make happen. Um, but I want to go kind of a little quickly. You mentioned the gut microbiome, and I know that's something that you talk a lot about, and you talk about how oftentimes people have. Um, hyperpermeability where there are creating holes in their gut. And so essentially what's happening is that when your gut lining gets essentially punctured and it has holes in it, then when you are eating things and there's unhealthy items in your gut, it gets spilled into your, your bloodstream and then your immune system kind of kicks in and you're, then your immune system gets on overdrive and then all just kind of like negative ramifications happen from that. So talk to us a little bit further about that because I know my explanation probably wasn't great. And then talk to us about how we can make sure that we're optimizing our gut microbiome. Awesome. Yeah, that is something I talk a lot about. So um, I see that you've been doing your research. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know it. Yeah. So, so we have these barriers in our digestive tract. Um, you know, some of those barriers start with us producing um, enzymes in our mouth that help to break down the foods we're eating. Then when we get to the stomach, we start producing acids that also help to break down the foods that we're eating. So that acid is very important. And then, um, and then when we get into the gut lining, we have the microbiome and the microbiome is that ecosystem of bacteria and fungus, and they need to be in really good balance. And we need, so they need to be in good balance. And then we also need diversity in terms of those microbes in order for our systems to be healthy. And that microbiome helps us to properly absorb nutrients. It helps us to, um, it helps us to, 
uh, support a proper immune system. And based on the balance of that microbiome, it also plays a big role in terms of preventing diseases in the, mm-hmm. in the future. So the better uh, in balance and the more diversity in that microbiome, the healthier we are. And it's a protective layer to our the lining of our digestive tract. And the lining of our digestive tract is this one cell deep um, uh, membrane. And between those cells that line the digestive tract are these things called tight junctions. So what happens is that if we have inflammation, if we're eating the wrong foods, or if we have toxic loads, we can have injury to those tight junctions. So then Food that's not completely digested can move from the from the lumen of the digestive tract to the bloodstream. And then when it's in the bloodstream, it elicits this whole immune reaction. And you can think of this happening over and over again. And then what happens is that we have an immune system that's activated every time this happens. And then we have an immune system that doesn't react appropriately. And so this is how we could be damaging our immune system through um, eating the wrong foods or taking in toxic loads or having those imbalances in our gut flora. So yeah, I think you described it beautifully. So hopefully that's just a little bit geekier way of describing it. (laughs) Well, no, I love it. I love it. So talk to us about if you had to, I know this this is going to be an oversimplification of a very complex topic, but if you had to pick like three foods in order to help to optimize your gut microbiome, then maybe what would what would be a top three that you might select? We'll be back to the interview in just a second, but first I wanted to share some words from a participant of the 10-week transformation. At Best You, we started running the 10WT back in January of 2020 and have since had 313 people and counting go through it. They've seen their bodies get stronger than ever before. They've seen the stubborn fat finally come off and they've seen their habits dramatically improve. And honestly, more than anything, they've seen their self-confidence skyrocket. If you want to learn more about the 10-week transformation, then you can go to nickcarrier.com slash 10WT. That's nickcarrier.com slash the number 10WT. We'll get back to the show in just a second, but first, here's what they had to say. I cannot say enough good things about the 10-week transformation challenge. Before I started the program, I was just feeling kind of cruddy. I had put on some weight, I was working out frequently, but my clothes didn't fit well. I didn't, I didn't feel my best self. I didn't feel confident. And I knew I wanted to make a change. I knew I wanted to be healthier. And I knew I needed to do something different in order for that to happen. So the things about the program I found most helpful are two things, the accountability, I love not only Nick's accountability, but also the group accountability and walking alongside other people who are also working towards goals and are supportive and encouraging. Secondly, Nick's intention and the energy with which he leads is amazing. He is invested in each and every person in the program and working with them to meet their individual goals. I walked away from the program having lost weight, which was a big part of why I started. I also walked away with confidence and I am a closer version of my best me for myself, for my husband, for my kids. And that to me is really big. That is just 
are really, really important to me and the confidence that I'm walking away with. And I feel better. I feel better physically. I feel better mentally. I feel better emotionally because it's all just so, so connected. So I just really encourage you if you're considering the program to reach out to schedule a phone call because it is one of the best investments that I've made in myself in the last year. And I'm beyond grateful for this program and all that it has to offer. So, so I feel like sometimes I, I would get um, people upset with, with, with my selections, but um, I, I think that like grass fed beef would be hugely beneficial in terms of supporting the gut because you're going to get a lot of your minerals from it. You're going to get a lot of fats and you're going to get um, some really key proteins. Um, your body just needs to be able to effectively break it down. But it's but, you know, grass fed meat is like highly nutritious for for that gut lining and it's going to give the body some of what it needs in order to, to <clears throat> support that. Um, and then I would say that um, the other food would be, would be something that would be like a, a high fat, which would be um, something like avocados, um, avocados, like high fat, you're giving your body um, the fat is what um, all of our cell membranes are made out of. So we're giving your body the raw material it needs in order to help um, heal the tissues and get um, those cell membranes to be able to heal and, and heal the lining of that digestive tract by giving it um, a nutrient that it needs. Um, and then um think of my third one. Um, but my third one would just be any sort of like a uh, green vegetable. So like, you know, something like a broccoli or something that would give you or your body the, the fibers that it needs. It gives it the nutrients that it needs. Um, and if our body can effectively break it down, it's going to, it's going to be giving your body a lot of healing factors. So, mm. so those, those are, yeah. That's just, awesome. Just That's some awesome. examples. Yeah. Well, I love it because I love grass-fed beef. I love avocados, and I love broccoli. So I hit those things. I hit those things all the time. Um, but I am, and I want to get to the children's stuff in a second because I know a lot of people will want to hear that. But I'm so fascinated by these topics as well, and so I want to ask one more question on that. I feel like oftentimes when I hear people talk about the gut microbiome. It's often talking about more like the broccoli. It's talking about fiber and the importance of that. And people are talking about how the gut microbiome is made up of pre, uh, like prebiotics and and um, or good bacteria and bad bacteria. And the good bacteria is your probiotics, and you, the probiotics need prebiotics to to feed them. And and all oftentimes the way that we optimize that is from fiber. But I don't often necessarily hear the importance of something like a grass-fed beef or something like avocados and the importance of protein and minerals and fats when it comes to optimizing your gut microbiome. So if you would maybe go just a little bit further as to why like protein and fats and, and minerals and things like that are really important for the gut microbiome, whereas someone like me, when I've heard people talk about it, I really only hear about fiber. Yeah. Well, so I'll, I'll talk about the, the, like, so the fiber is what we call those prebiotics. So they help to feed the healthy bacteria. So we help to get mm -hmm. those healthy bacteria to be able to grow and flourish. Um, and then um, from like the grass fed meats, 
we have collagen and collagen can also act like a fiber and help to feed those uh, like the healthy bacteria. So, um, so those are important factors. And I think that's kind of in line with what you're, you're Mm. often heard, what you often hear. But I think that um, we also are starting to learn in terms of that microbiome is that um, those, those little microbes also um, need proper nutrition in order for them to grow and flourish. And some of the nutrition that they need to grow and flourish are um, the breakdown products of some of the foods that we eat, like the minerals, like those microbes, Mm -hmm. those healthy microbes need good minerals in order for them to flourish. And, and then they also will use um, breakdown products of fats and the breakdown products of um, proteins, which is the amino acids, which are all building blocks to, um, to those healthy microbes, but also Mm. will end up being, um, will also help to feed us. Like once we have them broken down, if they're broken down efficiently, also they can get broken down by the enzymes that we make, but those microbes within our digestive tract also help to break down those foods. They play a role in terms of breaking down those foods and then we get to absorb them and make them useful. So, so we're feeding Mm. those microbes and we're also feeding our, the cells of our body. Mm, Gotcha. That's awesome. I I hadn't heard from a, and again, I've, I guess I have limited research compared to a lot of people, but I hadn't heard. That's awesome. That's very insightful. And it, Makes me glad that I'm continuing to eat grass-fed beef and avocados and everything like that. So that's awesome. Um, I do want to transition a little bit into building a healthy child because I know that, again, there are so many parents that listen to this and I am interested in it as well. So, and I, again, I can go, we can go, we could go a lot deeper. I don't want to go quite as deep just for the sake of time, but I have, for example, one of my really good friends is having a baby in is like due in two months. And I know that she is like super into nutrition as, to, as a, a lot of people are nowadays. What are some things that she needs to know or that anybody needs to know in the first maybe year or two in order to build a healthy child? You know, I, you did give some super great examples that I would have just never known. Like don't have grains in the first couple of years or something and, and, and different additional things like that. So give us some some tips like that for people who are getting ready to have a child or maybe have a really young child and stuff like that? Yeah. So, well, I'll tell you a little bit of background of how this book even came about, because I think that understanding that will just help to lead into my recommendations, because really what I came across is I came across three discoveries that helped to form um, how I put this plan together. One of them was realize, learning that that microbiome, so that ecosystem that we've talked about within the gut, that we form the foundation of that microbiome between birth and age three. So we Mm. have this small window of opportunity in order to build their gut health up properly. The other discovery I came across was um, something about 
uh, the study of ontogenetics. So our organs, they start to develop in utero and then they reach full maturation at different stages as we age. So one of the main ones is that our pancreas, um, which releases enzymes that help to break down grains, that our pancreas doesn't reach full maturation till around two years of age. So that means that we shouldn't be introducing any grains during that uh, the first two years of a child's life, which is very different from other recommendations out there. And then the third one is the evolutionary that we, uh, since the beginning of human time, have been designed to break down real food, real food from the earth, not uh, processed, chemically latent foods. So that's really how my um, how my food introduction program came to be was based on those three things, those three understandings. So really what we want to be introducing is um, as those first foods are going to be uh, vegetables, then I do fruits, then I do uh, meats, um, and then we and then we move into um, some tougher to break down foods. And I leave grains and cow's dairy till um, after there too. So, mm. so that's really the, the essence of, of how we introduce foods with this program, which I know oh, is, God. is very different than people are going to hear um, from, from other people. I love it. Uh, I know you're also a big proponent of breastfeeding and for a decent amount of time, talk to us a little bit about why, and then duration of that you recommend. Yeah. So that, that's an excellent perk first point is that that I'm a huge proponent of um, breastfeeding because breastfeeding is really uh, the healthiest thing we can do for our kids. Um, but I think that what you also have to realize in terms of breastfeeding is that mom has to also be eating an optimal diet mm. in order to uh, pass the, the best nutrients on to their kids because really everything mom eats is going to end up in the breast milk. So, so oftentimes I'm cleaning up mom's diet when she's breastfeeding in order to make sure that baby is as healthy as possible. Um, I recommend that um, you breastfeed for at least a year and, and then that, um, that you're doing, um, only breastfed uh, uh, for the first six months of life, and then you introduce foods around six months. Um, I, I think that's the best thing we can do for our kids. Um, we are passing on so many, like so many good nutrients. We also are passing on immunity. Um, the body works amazingly. Is that um, like we actually pass on our our immune system to, to the babies through breast milk. So, um, I, yeah, I, I'm a strong believer in that. Um, uh, if you're able to breastfeed that, that we should be choo choosing to breastfeed. Yeah, no doubt. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I think the next thing is going to be less practical nutrition advice and more kind of how to best approach teaching the proper mindset and the pro and the 
yeah, the proper viewpoint, I guess, for kids in, in nutrition because I the way the way that I kind of think about it is I want my kids to eat healthy and be healthy, but I don't want them to be psychotic about it and I don't want them to, you know, have a bad relationship with food and have a bad relationship with their body. And so many people are listening are thinking the same thing. Like I have a lot of moms who that I work with and they want to be a good role model for their daughters because they don't want their daughters to have bad relationships with food or any kind of eating disorder or things like that. And so I'm always thinking like, I know when I was young, eight, 10, 12 years old, we would get McDonald's and, and I loved it. Now I'm like, I feel like I wouldn't let my kids eat McDonald's, but I don't know what the right approach is to like making sure that you're not overly strict, but at the same time, you're trying to manage it. So talk to us a little bit just about like how you did it. Your daughter's 15 now. Talk to us a little bit about your approach when she was maybe a little bit younger and then kind of your approach now. Um, yeah, I think that that parenting aspect is is challenging. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say that um, like for me, what, one of the advantages is that, you know, she she is only she only knows healthy foods and we've done this right from the beginning. And I think that like in terms of what, like when I talk to my patients, even as well as how I talk to my daughter is just understanding that like food is what nourishes your body and it, what's helps, it's going to help to make you stronger and be able to be smarter and making sure that your body is in the healthiest state possible and, and understanding that relationship. And then also realizing getting people, um, and this works for adults too, but kids are so amazing at it. Um, when you teach them young is, is being able to see what foods do to you. Mm. Um, so like, I'd say like even, um, realizing, okay, you have, um, candy or sugar, how does your body react differently? Or you have, um, wheat, like d- how, like, how does your body reacting? Because usually, um, when the diet is really clean and then you might have something, you might be out at a birthday party and have a piece of cake, you know, sometimes people are like, Oh, my stomach hurts. Um, I don't feel very good. Um, my, you know, sometimes they get a little bit of diarrhea. So their, their Mm -hmm. bowels are different. Um, sometimes they get like a little bit of a skin rash or right. A little bit of a breakout. And so these, these are like signs of, of what that food is influencing in terms of, um, having, you know, the effect or the symptom that it's causing within the body and being able to put that connection together, I think is so significant. Um, because do we want to be eating foods that make us feel, um, unwell and, and most people don't. And sometimes we just can't see that because, because we're eating so many different foods that are, are, are causing problems. Like, you know, if you eat inflammatory foods all day, you're not able to see, um, what foods are actually problematic. And I would say that, that that's what I mean by that would be the advantage for my daughter is that she was eating clean all the time. And then when she did happen to have another food, um, just to try it, it made her feel awful. And so mm-hmm. it made it so that she didn't want to eat that food. So, so I didn't have to be the one to tell her, 
no, you can't eat this food. She figured it out on her own. So, yes. but that, you know, those were kind of like the early years of um, her figuring out. And she's actually really good with, with food selection now. Um, and, awesome. and I think of those, even those McDonald's, like sometimes like her friends will all be going out to McDonald's and I will say to her, oh, did you go? Right. Like thinking that, thinking that, that, that maybe she would just go and grab like French fries or something like that. And she was, and she's like, no, that's disgusting. I'm not eating that. So, right. That's so awesome. I'm like, and then that makes me happy. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think I, that she's making those kind of decisions on her own. Yeah, no, but I think that three things that you said that were absolutely massive is one, you started her early. And so kind of she only really knows what healthy foods are. Number two, you talked about food in such an amazing context of like food is used to nourish your body. Like this is what it's used for rather than it's just supposed to like make you like feel good and like you're supposed to be always happy when you're around. It's like here to nourish your body. I think like preaching that message is super important. And then making her aware of what certain foods do to you. How do they make you feel? Do they make you feel uh, uncomfortable in the stomach? Do they have a rash? Does it, does it cause acne? I think those three things are absolutely massive. Now, I do want to ask one more question before the last question. And because I know that I've heard this from so many parents is like, yeah, well, we're sitting down for dinner and my kid is just picky and they don't want to do They don't want to eat anything healthy. So I just do what's easy and give them pizza or whatever they want. Talk to us about how the hell do you approach that? Yeah. So, and, and I've heard that too. And I think that, um, for me, like it was, it her options, like her options were either like healthy or healthy. Like yeah. we never gave her an option of like to have something that was like unhealthy. Like it wouldn't be, it wouldn't have, you know, it wouldn't be an option. It was like, it was like, do you want broccoli or carrots, right? Yeah, like right. it was just like, she, those were the options that she had early in life. So like, um, and yeah, and I, I hear the story of the picky eater and yeah, I, I think it gets challenging, but I think that, yeah, what you have to do is that you have to just like their options are, are only healthy or healthy, not right. healthy or garbage. Mm. Yeah. I, like <laughs> I like it. I appreciate that. That's, that, that's great. Those are helpful tips. Well, uh, Dr. Roberts, before I ask the last question, I just want to acknowledge you. I want to acknowledge you for all the work that you have done when you first started to gain awareness that like, oh my gosh, there's this bigger field of medicine that is around that I can really dive into and learn more about to learn how to heal people uh, in a way that maybe often people aren't taught and be able to heal people because the body has such this amazing ability and amazing power to be able to heal itself. We just got to make sure that we're set up for success. We got to make sure our inner terrain is appropriately managed so that our body has the ability to heal itself. And then I want to acknowledge you for the work that you've done on building a healthy child. Like it's so, it, like I love seeing it. It's, it's, it's inspiring me for me to see parents raise a child who is, I almost don't know if health conscious is the right word, but I guess for lack of better terms, health conscious, but in a healthy way, if that makes sense. So it's it's cool to see. Cool to see. Well, y'all need to make sure that you go get this book, Building a Healthy Child, Food Introduction Nutritional Program, A Parent's Guide to Foundational Childhood Nutrition for Lifelong Health. I think this book is, I cannot wait to 
hopefully at some point in the future when I have a child, just like have this thing out and read it on a daily basis and make sure that I am following along with the different things because you just have such solid, you know, reasonings and a framework as to why you do what you do with the microbiome forming the foundation between birth and age three, the fact that organs reach full development at different points and the evolutionary side of things like the, everything just is, is so solid. So you guys make sure you go grab that book. You guys make sure that you go follow her on Instagram at Dr. Melina Roberts as well. Uh, where else can people go learn more about you and, and what you're up to? Um, yeah, my Instagram page is probably where I spend the most time, but uh, my website is also where you can learn a lot about what I do, which is advancednaturopathic.com. Great. Great. And she's got a great YouTube site as well. That's where I watched some of her videos on, on this stuff. So you guys need to make sure you go pull up some of her YouTube videos that are probably also clipped on Instagram as well. But last question here, Dr. Roberts, is I think that in order to get closer to the best version of yourself, it's both a constant journey and a unique journey. I don't think that we ever actually get to the best version of ourselves. I think it's a constant process. And I also think that the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different than the way that you get closer to the best version of yourself. So this last question is for you personally, if there are three things that you could currently do or three things that you could currently work on in order to get closer to the best version of Molina Roberts that you could possibly be, then what are those three things that you could currently do or currently work on? Um, yeah, I, I think I usually describe that as, um, like health is a work in progress and that mm. I, I am also a work in progress and I'm just trying to, um, work on improving my health on a daily basis. And I think that, um, yeah, for me, it's, it's just being as consistent as possible. And that's consistent in like all of those like basic daily habits. So, you know, for me, it's um, making sure, and, and I'm pretty good with being consistent with my diet um, and my sleep and my water. Um, but I would say that um, for me, um, like I've had a recent um, injury and surgery <laughs> on my knee. I, I tore my ACL downhill skiing last year and, and now I'm just recovering from surgery and it's caused me to not be as active as I typically am. And so me, so really like my exercises ended up being like my physio exercises. And so, mm. which is a little frustrating when you're used to being really active, I, I'm sure you can understand that. And so I, um, I have to just be more consistent with these physio exercises so that I can get more, I can get more active. Um, so that, that, that for me is, is huge is, is, you know, it's, it's not something that I, I love to do, but I know that that's kind of my stepping stone of what I have to do in order to, to be able to get to my, um, regular activity level. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so I think that that would be one. I think that um, sometimes um, I kind of get stuck in terms of um, um, my mind, just making sure I think mindset is is such a huge thing. And, and sometimes I kind of get stuck in my uh, daily routines and just doing, doing, um, just doing like, every my everyday things and right. that I um I have to kind of get get into a better mindset in terms of um making sure that I um 
making sure that I, I can accomplish a little bit more than just what I'm doing on my daily basis. And so, and I think that that sort of ties into my next thing, which I I personally want to try to do a little bit less of is a little bit less of um, scrolling through my phone and less less doing social media and spend more time um, doing things where I'm actually like learning more or accomplishing more or teaching more or working on presentations and doing stuff that that will also like help to move me forward instead mm-hmm. of um uh, I would say sort of a bit of that wasting of my time. So yeah. I don't know. Those are sort of some of the things that I would say that I want to do in my my personal life in order to oh. get to a, a better version of me. I love it. I love it. All great things. All great things. Well, y'all need to make sure if you did not take notes during that episode, make sure you take notes. It's massive. There's so many massively important things that you can learn and then take action from. And like I said, make sure you go get building a healthy child and and use this thing and read this thing and study this thing so that you can apply it because all of us who are listening to this episode right now, all of you listening to this episode are looking to optimize your health. You're looking to optimize your life and you want that for the other people in your life as well, including your children or your future children. And so we need to make sure that we lay the groundwork uh, in order to do that. But that's all we got today, Dr. Roberts. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much, Nick. This has been so much fun. That was such a fascinating conversation with Dr. Roberts. I loved hearing more about how to improve our own health and how to improve healthy eating with our children. Remember, if you're overwhelmed about what you should eat, if you want to feel more confident in your skin, and if you need a way to satisfy your sweet tooth in a healthy manner, then go get access to my brand new video course called The Three Steps to Losing Body Fat and Building Muscle at nickcarrier.com for free. And remember, our body can be so powerful. It can have the ability to heal ourselves if we're eating right, sleeping right, minimizing our exposure to toxic wastes, drinking enough water, and getting in touch with the earth. And remember that with children, It can be so important to focus on the nutrition between birth and three years old because of the microbiome and proper organ development. And lastly, remember too, if you have kids, talk to them about what food is for. That was one of my favorite things that she did with her daughter. Talk talk to them about what food is for. Talk to them about how food is meant to nourish our bodies and talk about how it's meant to heal our bodies. Because if you can create habits to optimize the health of your internal terrain, if you can eat foods that heal your body rather than create inflammation, and if you can set your kids up for success at an early age with their nutrition, then you'll continue to get closer and closer to your best you.